Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, from my Warwick home on a lovely fall Friday morning. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my usual co-conspirator, the sports director at ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishian Coit on WEI Providence. Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen, Coity, how we living? Uh, living busy. Just getting through crossover season, as Bill and I were talking about uh, before starting this podcast. So living busy, but it's a good busy. There's a lot going on. And in particular, our college basketball programs really getting into the swing of things and um, certainly a lot to talk about, even just a couple weeks into the season. Yep. College hoops in full swing, some teams on the road, some teams with some high profile matchups coming up this weekend and, and next week. Uh, Coit mentioned crossover season last weekend. We had soccer championships, volleyball championships for high schools. This weekend, we have the Super Bowls at Cranston Stadium. Um, I will be at Mohegan Sun with URI. Eric Rube will have you covered, uh, in terms of football. Um, Coit, what are you doing? Subscribe, subscribe. That's right. Um, Coit, what are you doing this weekend? What do you got? Uh, I got a lot of, uh, lot of Brown University. <laughs> right. Uh, doing the women's game tonight, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, Brown and, and URI at the pits. Uh, I'm doing the, the Brown football season finale tomorrow against Dartmouth. Yep. Um, and, and a chance for a winning season, which is no no small thing. No. Uh, very significant. You know, wow. it'd be the first time they Brown had gone six and four in ten years, um, which is really which is really something. It tells you the uh, trajectory of the program. Um, yeah, could then, could also have a winning record in the Ivy League if they win that game, which they huge. haven't done in in about a decade as well. Huge, uh, that's yeah. huge. Um, you know, it's been a fun year either way. I think they're they're on a, a great path here. Um, yeah, and then I've got uh doing a, a football game this weekend. I think I don't know if it's a Rhode Island Super Bowl or I may be going up to Massachusetts because there's some semifinal games up there as well. Right, and then um. And then, yeah, keeping my eyes on the college basketball throughout as as things go along here, because um, there's certainly some, as you said, some heavyweight matchups here or some teams that will be playing up in, in weight class, if you will. Yeah, there there are, um, you know, some interesting, interesting games, uh, some chances to add your NCAA tournament resume for a few of these teams, uh, you know, and we'll break those down over the course of the pod, as we always do. Uh, we're going to start with a, a coaching change, actually. Uh, you know, Early in the season here, and, and probably something we both anticipated, we, we weren't necessarily sure when it would happen, but it has played out this week. Uh, Jared Grasso has resigned from Brown, uh, from Bryant. Formal- Why do I do that every week? Why do I confuse <laughs> Brown okay. and Bryant every week? Well, they both start with a B. They both start with a B-R. Terrible. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, me. that's okay. It's okay. All right, so let's start over. Uh, Jared Grosko <laughs> has, has formally resigned from Bryant. Uh, he tendered his resignation on Monday. The school accepted it. Uh, and then Wednesday, uh, officially promoted Phil Martelli to head coach. They removed his acting tag. Uh, they replaced it with, with what a source said was a long-term contract. So this is not just for the end of this year. This is for multiple years. Uh, Phil was the associate head coach under Jared. Uh, from the time he came to campus in 2018, he was part of that NCAA tournament staff. His first head coaching job, I, I know it's an opportunity that he's waited for for a while. It comes in unusual circumstances, uh, you know, and 
I think we should probably start there and, and just, you know, quite initial impressions on, um, you know, this, this, I guess, formal change now at Bryant. Yeah, it, it, it happened quickly. Um, the school was swift and decisive. Um, once the resignation uh, news was put out there by Jared, um, I, I, I want to say I, I think he did a great job, Bill, with the piece that you wrote, um, sitting down with Jared. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to read it, uh, Bill sat down with Jared Grasso uh, exclusively and talked with him um, just to get sort of his side of the story, his perspective. Um, and, you know, you did a great job writing it, Bill. I know there were certain things that, you know, couldn't be talked about. And, um, you know, but I, I think with things that you, you know, were able to, um, you know, sort of discuss with him, mental health, um, you know, some of the things that that he's been going through. Um, I thought you did a great job. You know, I, I just for for Jared, I, I hope he gets the the time that he needs and and the help that he needs, um, because clearly um, this is a guy that's, you know, going through some some struggles in, you know, in, in some of his uh, aspects of life. Um, I, I know the, the being a coach and, and being in this game and having a, a, a huge passion for it can it can become an obsession um it can take a toll on your health and so um you know to hear that he's going to take the time to be able to sort of take a step back and, and see where he goes um you know hopefully that is uh, uh beneficial to him um you know but i think you know for the for the school um you know i i think this allowed everybody to sort of have a i don't know a clean break if you will um mm. and Again, the school makes swift and decisive action decision. And I think that's a good thing for for Phil Martelli Jr. Because the school says, okay, well, this is the coach. This is this is our leader going forward. This is what we're going to be doing with our program. And so no ifs, ands, or buts. This is this is the direction we are going. So there's no interim. There's no, well, will he be around after this season? Well, no, he's the coach. This is his program now, and so we are moving forward. So I think on the school's uh, behalf, I think that's that's probably best, especially for the players. Yeah, it was um it was an interesting week for for me in in yeah, those terms. I bet. Uh, you know, Jared uh Jared reached out to me, uh said he wanted to talk. And you know, when when you're in this thing, it's that's not an opportunity that you turn down. We we met for breakfast on Wednesday. Um, you know, and I hadn't spoken to him since uh, his leave away from the team, um, you know, and it was it was an interesting hour. Uh, you know, he he covered a lot of ground. There were certainly things that he didn't want to get into that I would have appreciated he got into a little more. And and you know, those are obviously the questions that everybody has. Um, sure. you know, and he referred uh, he referred to his lawyer Craig Monscavo on on several topics. Um, you know, where I, I, of course, wish he would have been more expansive. But you know, if that was the tack that he was going to take, I, I get it. Um, you know, those questions. Yeah, you do. These, this is the time, Bill, where, you know, sorry to cut you off, but this no, is the time where you're you're doing your job. Your job is to ask the questions. Your job is to look into that. And however the school and or Jared want to, you know, put an answer out, you know, portray it, whatever it is, you're doing your job. So, yeah, Bryant uh, also, you know, despite multiple requests for for clarification or for comment, they they've stood behind. You know, they don't discuss personnel matters. Um, 
you know, they're just not going to go there with this. It, it feels like they want it to go away as much as Jared wanted it to go away. Um, you know, and, and if they're aligned in that way, uh, you know, you, you can go ahead and, and, you know, like Coit and I see the, the stuff that's out there. We, we see, you know, the rumor yeah. and, and the suggestions of, you know, what else is going on, um, you know, but there's a difference between knowing some things or thinking, you know, some things and being able to put them on the air or, or in print or online. Uh, you know, and we don't necessarily have the the luxury of, you know, Johnny nine eight three four on Twitter, you know, to just go ahead and and run with something. Um, you know that that's not. We need you need documentation. You need you know arrest reports. You need court filings. You need uh, you know depositions. You you need corroboration from witnesses. Uh, you know or sources. You you need more. Um, it's a higher burden. You can't necessarily go forward with what you might think is valid. You, you need more than rumors. that. Rumors. You can't, you can't report rumors. Yeah, you can't report yeah, rumors. Can't that's not it. not the business. There's a there's a big word with you know the, the job that we do. It's it starts with a C. It's called credibility, yeah. and that's everything. And so um, <laughs> we saw sort of a an instance of credibility taking a hit with a certain. Sideline reporter yesterday, oh, we're, and the, we're not we're not doing that on this podcast. That's no, that's, we're not. That's no, a, we're not. That's that's a whole separate thing. But mm. you know that that right there is is everything. You yeah, know, credibility, and you have to do the the job the right way. And so, you know, you can't just go forward with rumors and reports and those sorts of things. You no, you know, you have to do the job the right way. So, just in in general. You know, the, the issues there that you would have liked to have gotten more into, you know, Jared wouldn't discuss why he was on leave or, or whether or not the school put him on leave or, or whether or not he took leave. Um, you know, that remains unclear. Uh, you know, his his arrest and subsequent dismissal of a charge for hit and run. He, he didn't get much into that. Uh, you know, he wouldn't say whether or not he'd watch the body camera footage, which, you know, you and I have both seen and. I'm sure a lot of listeners here have seen it, it was disturbing. Um, you know, wouldn't address whether or not the, the school reached a settlement with him. Uh, he was signed through 2026, 20, 27. So the remainder of his contract, he, he's leaving a significant amount on the table there. Um, you know, so he, he wouldn't get into whether or not he was paid uh, a certain portion of that to resign. Um, you know, what I would say, he was, he was open about, um, you know, his struggles a little bit. Um, you know, he got into, uh, some things with his back, obviously, and, you know, not sleeping and, you know, he does plan to see a psychologist here, which I, I think is, is a good step for him as, as someone who, you know, watched the body camera footage. I I've said this before on the pod to you, Coit, that, that wasn't the guy who we worked with for five years. He, he seemed, right. um, like he was struggling in, in a certain way and, you know, if he needs additional help for anything else, I, I hope he takes his time and, and gets it. Uh, I do, um, you know, because I, I don't I don't like to see anyone uh, in distress in that way. Um, Amen. You know, and I I, I certainly, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that he reached out to me. You, you try to do the best with the story. Um, you, know, you try to be as fair and, and as open as you can. And, you know, you, you let the chips fall from there yep. but, um mm -hmm. you know with that brian pivots to to phil martelli jr 
um, you know, who we, we caught up with on Wednesday. We were at Chase Gym after practice. Uh, his wife, Megan, came in with their three kids. It was it was a really sweet moment for them. Um, yeah. You know, the, the release announcing his hiring. There was some strong language in there from Ross Cattell, David Byrne, the the uh, the board chair of trustees, uh, you know, from Bill Smith. David Byrne talking about values-based leadership. I, I, you know, I read that as credit to Phil. I also read that as a little bit of a shot at Jared. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Brown made uh, Br- yeah. Brian made it very clear how they feel about the situation here over the last two months. Uh, you know, without really saying specifically what they think or what their course of actions were. Um, right. I th- I think a couple of the quotes in there made it very clear how they feel about where they're at right now and and the decisions they were forced to make over the last two months. Um, I read it the same way, Bill. I read it the same way. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was it was interesting. You those are usually a lot more vanilla than uh, what we saw. Uh, there was yeah. there was a little bit of fire in in that one. Um, you know, if you read between the lines, so. You know, Phil Martelli takes over. Um, you know, he's going to keep the staff intact. He's still got Chris Cole with him. Um, you know, they've brought in assistant coaches from the outside to start this season. Uh, he's going to keep that going forward at least until the end of the year. Um, you know, Phil is losing himself on staff, which you know does leave a void. He he was the lead assistant for Jared, so you you know, you wonder who will function in his roles on that staff. And, and that's something that they'll have to figure out as a group. Um, you know, but Phil's a, he's, he's been an, an assistant coach for the better part of two decades. Uh, he's worked with a handful of programs. His father obviously had a great deal of success at St. Joe's. Um, you know, he learned from, from his hands, you know, over the course of the last 30 years or so. Uh, he said it was an 11 year old boy's dream to, to be a head coach and, and he's got it now. Um, you know, and now the real work starts uh, because they go to BU on, on Thursday night and they lose 95-79. And now that one's on his record, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and it's his team that's one and three. And, and it's up to him to figure it out against this meat grinder of a schedule. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see who he is and what he does going forward here over the next few months. Yeah, I mean, we talk about a lot, um, you know, teams taking on the personality uh, of their coach. And I, I wonder how that shifts with this particular group uh, under Phil, because I think some of the guys that, you know, maybe you recruited, brought in, sort of had that that sort of Jared Grasso bite to them, um, you know, and kind of in that mold of, um, you know, the guys that Jared has coached in the past. How does Phil twist that? You know, where does where do they fit with with Phil Martelli Jr., who obviously helped recruit a lot of these guys? Um, but how does he how does he coach these guys? How does he manage their personalities? How do things go under him? It's it's going to be different. Um, and so I I think that is the maybe part of the battle that they're uh they're facing right now is just, you know, what uh you know, how things go, how things have changed. Because I think they're obviously in the gym every day, putting in the work like they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to be some sort of different routines um, because Phil is going to do things differently, I'm sure, than than Jared did. In some, no matter how subtle those those differences might be, maybe they're major differences. We don't know. You know, we don't know. We see parts of practice, we see the, them in the games, but we don't know. Um, 
So it, it'll be, it's an interesting challenge. Um, but I think having the firm knowledge that, okay, Phil is the coach, he's the head coach, and he's going to be the guy going forward, I, I think can only help because it, it tells these guys, these players, this staff, okay, he's the leader, Here he, we're moving forward, this is what we're doing. Um, you know, on the on the floor, I think it's it's obvious after a result like they had at, at BU Thursday night that um, this team in particular, uh, I'm sure defense is going to be some sort of emphasis here uh, mm. in the coming days because giving up 95 to BU, uh, Bill, you're an alum, you would know better than I would, but I, I don't exactly, I haven't exactly heard that uh, the Boston University Terriers are uh, a, an offensive juggernaut, so I'm sure that that's something that they're looking at and saying, okay, well, there's after game one as as head coach, I'm sure Phil Martelli Jr. is telling his team, well, I think we got to work on our defense. That's probably something we're going to be working on. So, um, you know, I think some of the positives I've said, I, I think having a guy like Rafael Pinzone come into the program mm. this season so far, I really like him. Um, you want to talk about a guy that has really given them a spark off the bench. I think he's done that. He did it quickly in the BU game on Thursday night. Um, I like Rivera and, and what he brings so far. So the guys that they brought in, um, so it's taken some time, I think, but this is a program that's been in transition. It's had a lot of change here. Uh, it's gone through a lot the last couple months. So now that the dust has sort of settled, you know, uh, hopefully they'll have a chance. Schedule doesn't get any easier, but hopefully they'll have a chance to look at it and say, okay, now we sort of lock in and, and move forward and, and really dig into the season. Now, Pinzone had 21 points off the bench against the Terriers. Uh, Sharif Gross-Bullock had one of his more efficient nights of the season. To date, he had 28 points. The defensive end, you mentioned, Coit, that was the problem. The Terriers were 14 for 28 from three. They only committed nine turnovers. Uh, you're not going to win many games, and certainly not many games on the road when when the opponent does that. Um, you know, and you you mentioned the, the, the bite that they played with at times under Jared. They, they got to find that coming up because Saturday – They've got a major challenge. They go to Florida Atlantic, the Final Four darlings from last year. Uh, Brian obviously played a, a very close game with them at the beginning of last season, uh, before we knew what Florida Atlantic was going to do. Uh, you know, before they took college basketball by storm with with that run to the Final Four under Dusty May. Um, so that's a difficult game. And then Monday they've got Howard at home, and Howard's got a guy you know, Coit. Seth Towns was just recently cleared. Oh, that's to start right. Playing for Howard, he's still in college basketball. Bill. Seth Towns, the former Harvard shooting guard, small forward, who oh has dealt goodness. with uh, a myriad of injuries uh, over the course of his career, uh, was just granted an NCAA waiver for another year of eligibility. So he will be playing for Howard that night when they come to the chase. Bill, I. I'm trying to remember, and I'd have to look at the box score, if I actually ever saw Seth Towns play. Mm. I've heard about Seth Towns for years. Years. We are talking about him five years ago. Mm. And, I mean, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I want to see it in person. It's it's one of those, does, does he actually exist? Because <laughs> yeah. I've heard so much about him. And, you know. I, I think it's, you know, half half kidding, um, you know, but being serious, I, you know, it's unfortunate when a young man like that goes through so many injuries. So I, I am glad that he'll have the opportunity to get on the court, play. Um, but it's it's wild. And he's still in college basketball. 
Wow. Seth Towns, Seth Towns debuted at Harvard in 2016-17. Wow. He was a freshman then. Whoa. Yeah. Long time Gosh, he's, fl- he's flirting with, like, how long I've been at ABC. <laughs> I know. I've only been there, like, two years longer. Yikes. I know. He was – he was a, a big-time recruit, the number one three-point shooter in the Ivy League in 2017-18. Um, you know, looked like a legitimate NBA prospect at, at one point. His length, they list him now at 6'9", 230 at Howard. That's a total lie. Like at yeah. Harvard, he was 6'7", 205. Was who was the guard that he was with, too? Well, he was with uh, Chris Lewis, who was Mo Lewis, Mo Lewis's yeah, right. son. Right. Um. An, another Mo Lewis linebacker for the Jets, obviously, who famously hit Drew Bledsoe, uh, basically into retirement from the Patriots. Wild. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Seth Townsend and Chris Lewis were both big time recruits for Harvard. They they had offers from Power Fives and you know were top hundred ish type, four star ish type guys, um, who Harvard managed to get. And you know that was the level that that Tommy Emmerker was operating at at, at that time. Um. You know, Harvard was coming off winning a game in the NCAA tournament in in that time frame. Um, you know, that team with Laurent Rivard and and those guys who were just really really good. Um, yeah. But he was such a bright prospect. You 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 could have seen him playing in the NBA before the injuries came. And and it's you know he's been out of college basketball. He played in 2017 18. Then the next season he played was at Ohio State in 2020 21. Right. And now he's here at Har- at Howard in 2022 20 uh 23-24. You know, so he's had big gaps in his career and you know, he's going on 7 years in college basketball but you know, still sticking with it and a guy who you'll see Monday night at the Chase uh when when Bryant hosts Howard. Uh that'll be interesting for for sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. Uh all right. Bryant, we'll close the book on them for now. Um, and hopefully it's just about the games going forward with the Bulldogs. Uh, Coit, where should we go next? Uh, well, we got some big-time matchups this weekend. Um, you know what? Let's let's go to the Brown Bears before we go to uh, PC and URI, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about uh, the Friars, who obviously played tonight on this Friday. Um, yeah, Brown obviously played too. most recently last night against Rick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I think it was good for the Bears to get on a home floor um, to, you know, they don't have Keno Lilly Jr. last night, but get on a home floor. They do some things that they want to see and do them well. Um, you know, Division three opponent and Rick, um, who's got some skill there. Um, Sam yeah. Ferry's going to, you know, he's going to have a good team there. Um, and a lot of local Mike- guys, too, which is nice to see. Which is great, which is great. Yeah. Um, and Sam Ferry, a, a local guy himself, of course. Um, you know, I, I think it was good for them just sort of to, I, I think Nana Wusunani in the, in the post-game press conference, you asked him about just getting a win. And I think it was just a, he said something along the lines of, you know, it sort of lifted the spirits, you know, lifted the spirit around yeah. these guys. And I think they needed that, um, you know, starting, starting 0-3, um, having a couple of, you know, tough games, it, it, you know, a couple of tough results at the end with the Patriot League teams that they played and then just going to New Hampshire and just not, they just didn't have it that night. Um, yeah, it was just not a great road outing. Um, you know, so Brown's Brown's searching for some things, uh, particularly in their backcourt. Mike Martin said as much. 
Um, Because I think you know what you've got in your, you know, probably top three players. Kino Lilly Jr., Nana Usuanane, and Kaluanya. You know, experienced Mm. guys, guys that you know, okay, they fill in, you know, their roles when they need to. Uh, But I think there's opportunity there in the backcourt to to really step forward, uh, to seize some opportunities, seize some roles. Um, And a night like last night, even just seeing Aaron Cooley go out there, score 15 points, you know, hit some threes. I, I think that's a, a good thing. Good thing for the coaching staff to see. Good thing for Aaron, you know, career high for him. Um, you know, so there's there's opportunity in those spots. And even guys like the freshman in the second half, you know, I don't know how much you take out of that, Bill, but like, yeah, you know, Uchidi Uno was he was pretty impressive last night in the way that he played. Um, again, you take the opponent into consideration, take the spot into consideration, but you're gonna flash like that a little bit. Does it make the coaching staff say, hmm, well, maybe, maybe, you know, going forward, maybe we squeeze him in there a few minutes, see what he can do. You know, maybe it makes him think. Yeah, Brown 92-51 over Rhode Island College. Uh, the Anchorman had seven field goals in the first 10 minutes, and they had 11 the rest of the game. Brown you know, really locked in on them defensively after a, a little bit of a struggle at the start. You know, Rick uh, was in the game. The first 10 minutes, uh, Brown's bench looked a little befuddled, <laughs> a little uh, perturbed at times. Um, yeah, I think they expected to to just come right out off a, a disappointing result at New Hampshire and just put Rick away right from the start. And, you know, that didn't necessarily happen immediately. Well, well, it's it's the fight that the big brother gets into with the little brother, mm. where the little brother throws a punch and lands it. Yes. And the big brother's like, oh, okay. He's serious. All right. And then and then the big brother takes over with the size and the experience and all that, Jess. So and that's what you would expect, Division One playing Division Three, certainly. Um, you know, but Brown, like you said, I they're in a bit of a fragile place going into that game. You go to New Hampshire, you lose 82-64. It's not you lose at Colgate, fine. Colgate's very good. You lose at yep. home to Loyola, Maryland. That's a game that they let slip. Um you know, but at the very least, they were competitive in that game against the Wildcats. Yep. The wheels came off. It, it was really poor. Keno Lilly Jr. did not score in that game. The first time in 57 career games he'd been held scoreless. He was 0 for 7 from the field. He did not play against Rick. Uh, Mike Martin said he's dealing with a minor knee injury. Uh, how minor that is, we'll find out because they go to USC this weekend. And, you know, it would stand to reason that if they're going to have a chance in that game, he needs to be in uniform and playing well. Uh, USC, is, as Mike said, has a contender for a top five pick in the NBA draft next year, and Isaiah Collier, who's a dynamic first-year point guard. He was a co-MVP of the McDonald's All-American game last year. Um, you know, he could be the best player that Brown sees all season, uh, you know, so – that's going to be a big challenge uh, and a huge step up in class going from Rick out to Los Angeles to play USC. Um, you mentioned Cooley, Coit, and and I think what he did in this game is what Brown needs to see going forward. They, they've just got no production out of the shooting guard and wing spots through their first three games. And, you know, if he's going to be the guy, if it's going to be Kimo Ferrari, if it's going to be Felix Kloman, if it's going to be anyone, they just need anyone to step up and be a threat in that way alongside Lily, Anya, and Awusu Inane. Because if the opposing defenses only have to guard three players, it's going to make life very difficult for Brown 
night in and night out. They need that extra shooter, that extra floor spacer, maybe a guy who can drive it once or twice a half uh, to keep opposing defenses honest. Yeah, they do. Um, and I, I think they are searching for someone to fill the Pax and Wojcik role uh, consistently. That they they absolutely I think have missed him so far, and and I'm not surprised. You know, a, a guy that was a you know an all league player for them last year, uh, starting at North Carolina now for a reason, because mm. um, he really developed into an important guy for this program. So, yeah, the opportunity is there. I think the beauty of playing, yeah, uh, you know, in an Ivy League program is yeah, there. They're not they're not fighting here in November and December in the Ivy League for at large bids into the NCAA tournament. I think the beauty of a program like this is, you know, Mike knows that he has some time to see, okay, who can develop, who can seize these roles. So by the time Ivy League play rolls around in January, they're ready to go. They sort of have some things figured out, um, you know, and who knows what a step up in weight class can do. Uh, it, it's it's funny. You You look at these games and you're like, okay. You know, who knows what the result's going to be, but maybe somebody steps forward. Maybe they give USC a game and it's a night where Kimo Ferrari hits four threes and, you know, he's really spacing the floor and you're like, wow, well, big game. Kimo steps forward and, you know, this is this is what we can expect out of him going forward. This is what he can give us on a given night. Like, you know, I just I pick Kimo as an example, but it could be anybody there. It could be Felix Coleman. It could be. Whoever, I, there, there's opportunity there is the point. And, you know, that's something that we're going to be watching with Brown going forward is who seizes it, who steps forward. Yeah, Kimo, obviously a bit of a homecoming for him, San Diego kid. Uh, you know, Landon Lewis, a Los Angeles native, it, it'll be a homecoming for him as well. So, you know, Brown's going to have some backing in the stands, certainly. Uh, you know, And they're going to be enjoying the warm weather life because they go from Los Angeles to the Bahamas next weekend to play at Baja Mar for three games. Uh, they will start with Delaware next Friday. Um, team that is currently in the Bahamas and awaiting their first game there on Friday night, the Providence Friars men. Uh, Providence coming off an impressive Gabbitt Games win over Wisconsin at home, 72-59, a game that was not that close. Uh, as Kim English said post game. The only person upset about that final score is Dennis Felton, the assistant coach, <laughs> yeah. who had the defensive scout, was not happy that Wisconsin closed the gap at the end. I think they scored 13 points in the last two minutes or so. Uh, Dennis wanted to win by 25, and, and who could blame him? Because that score flatters Wisconsin. That final mm. flatters the Badgers. Providence dominated them from the opening tip. They were up 27-9 to nine in about 10 and a half minutes. They were making shots from the perimeter early, and it just snowballed on the Badgers throughout. I, I thought, you know, Kim English, he he mentioned Providence coming off a win and Wisconsin coming off a home loss to Tennessee. He was a little concerned about those two things coming together, the Badgers being fired up, wanting to come back off a loss. Providence maybe feeling good about themselves coming off two straight wins. He had nothing to worry about. Providence answered the challenge here in really impressive fashion. I think Devin Carter's been great so far. Really great so far. Um, I, I think Providence wants to play more athletic, and I think it really suits Devin, and and we're seeing it right away. Um, he's been the most impressive guy to me. It's just I, I love his effort. I love his energy. Uh, I love his athleticism. 
Uh, I love his swagger. He, he's just, yeah, can't say enough good things about Devin Carter so far. I think he's probably been their their best player. Um, I was also really, really, um, you know, in, encouraged. And I, I think Friar fans should be excited about what Jaden Pierre did in that game too. Mm. Um, this is a guy that we've been talking about, the potential. You saw the flash last year. Um, and I think he's developing into what Providence probably has envisioned for him. Um, you know, scores a little bit, um, uh, but can really control things. Um, you know, sort of run the point. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good thing if Jaden Pierre is stepping forward here too in his sophomore campaign. Um, yeah. So, and, and Josh Aduro in that game too. Um, I, I thought the opener, I thought Josh probably looked a little rusty because, you know, he deals with, you know, what he dealt with in the, in the preseason, his ailment, but really, I think after a couple of games kind of getting his feet wet again, you're seeing why a guy that was all Atlantic 10 twice, you know, is ready for the step up, ready for this challenge and can really help the Friars, you know, with his size and with his skill. So, you know, there was, there was a lot to like in that game. Um, but those are the the three guys that I look at and I probably obvious, but the three guys I look at and say like, yeah, that, that was nice to see. And, and, and it's when we're talking about three guys like that, and I haven't even mentioned Bryce Hopkins, right. that just tells you the amount of talent that Kim English has to work with on this team. Yeah, there are different paths to victory for this team, which you know, good teams have. And and I do, and I said preseason, I, I feel like this should be an NCAA team. I, I feel like they are good enough to to play in yeah. March. Uh, and you saw flashes of why the other night. You know, Jaden Pierre is three for three from three. Devin Carter's three for five. You know, when those guys are making shots, they're going to be very difficult to deal with. Um, as a team, they started off six for eight from three, and, and that's how you build the early lead. You know, Providence hadn't necessarily shot it well from deep their first two games. That's been an area of emphasis. Kim wants them shooting from deep. Um, he said as much in, in his introductory press conference and at Big East Media Day. And, you know, philosophically, if they're going to play like that, they got to make some shots. And, you know, Carter is a guy who's a 30% shooter from three last year. He's three for five in this one. Um, if he could tick up to 35, 36%, you know, that's a significant jump if he's going to have more attempts. Um, and it's going to make it harder for opposing defenses to respect him in terms of driving, uh, you know, because we know he can put the ball on the floor and, and get to the rim. The other night he had 21 points and eight rebounds. He's pushing it at every chance um, in transition. You mentioned a Duro Coit, and, and I think it's a good observation. You know, I think I would like to play with Josh Duro because he does yeah. a little bit of everything. And as you said, he's a very skilled guy. You know, the other night he has 13 points, four assists, two block shots. He, he's just, he's got a very well-rounded game in, in terms of being able to score in the post, being able to find his teammates, and also using his size at the defensive end. You know, he's not hes not one of these guys who's going to jump through the roof. he He's not, you know, going to put you on the floor and, and you know, clothesline you into the first row with his athleticism on defense, but... I think he has a really good concept of how to play in the paint and, and how to position himself against opposing fives. And, and that's going to be really valuable going forward, you know, in these up games against power five teams and then in the Big East, which is loaded with big guys. If you look at guys like Kalkbrenner uh, and Klingon, you know, like there'll be some big time Matt, Eric Dixon at, at Villanova. Like there are going to be some important matchups for him 
in the front court, and and it's good to see him comfortable this early. He's smart and mature, and and I think that's a really helpful thing to have in your front court. Um, I, I just don't. I think he's going to just play solid. It and just play within himself. That that's just what I gather from Josh. It's not. There's nothing flashy. There's nothing. You're right. There's nothing jump out of the gym. He's just smart, and and I think that's. That's exactly what you could use on a team like this. Uh, I think it really fits. Um, and and I think Providence has had guys like that. I, I thought Ed Croswell was a smart, mm. you know, player there, developed into, you know, what he was. Um, so to have somebody like that, it's just when you have a steady presence there, I think that goes a long way for a team. And it goes a long way for, you know, a first-year head coach in terms of leaning on a guy. You can see why Kim English really liked him as a player. Uh, like coaching him at Mason and really likes having him here. Um, and I, I just, the guys that, that Kim brought with him from Mason so far, I, I think really, I've been really impressed with. Um, and I think that's, that's a tribute to Kim and his staff coaching these guys up, you know, and helping these guys grow into the players that they are. Cause the other guy I think of who I just really like, I, I like watching him. I would like to play with, ticket gains. I would yeah. like to play with a guy like that on my team. Yeah. I, I just, he, he exudes maturity, um, great effort. Um, you know, I just think he's another steady guy. You know, these, these guys, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a tribute to Kim and his staff that these are the guys that they bring with them from George Mason. And I think they've had a really positive effect and influence on this team at Providence so far. Certainly what you hoped is fifth-year guys. They're supposed to be the adults in the room, and, and they function like that on the floor through three games. Um, big test for the Friars on Friday night. They play Kansas State. Uh, the Wildcats obviously made a deep run in last year's NCAA tournament. Uh, Kim made mention of Jerome Tang after this game, and you remember that when, when Kim was playing at Missouri, they were in the Big 12, and Jerome Tang obviously was on Scott Drew's staff at Baylor as his lead assistant and then associate head coach for almost two decades, um, and then takes his shot at Kansas State, his first job as a head coach, and look at what he's done there in, in Manhattan in just a short time. Um, the work he's done with the Wildcats has been tremendous. Um, you know, So that will be a difficult game for Providence. We'll give them an idea uh, of where they stand because you know, we're not going to pile on Wisconsin here, Coit, but they were terrible. I mean, let's be honest. They were so poor in that game. I, yeah. I can't imagine if that's a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team like they're predicted at the start of the year. I can't imagine what the teams below them would look like. You know, just boring, slow, you know, no scoring punch whatsoever. Uh, Greg Gard ripped them after the game, which I particularly enjoyed. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and he was right because if he watches that film, he's going to think, wow, we're awful. Like, we're, we're never going to win a game the rest of the year. Certainly not against anybody good. Um, K-State figures to be much more of a test for Providence. And, and then your second game in the Bahamas, which is on Sunday, correct? They get a day off? I believe so, yeah. You would have Miami or Georgia. Uh, you know, so stands to reason, if if you're able to win this one, uh, you know, you get Miami. Jim Laranega is in the Final Four last year. You know, or you get Georgia, who has been on a on a heater recruiting. Uh, if you look at some of the commits in in their class coming up, and and a few guys on their roster now, uh, and that's partly credit to old friend Antonio Reynolds Dean, who was on staff under Mike White. 
Um, you know, you won't meet too many nicer guys in the game than, than Antonio. We, we wish him well uh, this weekend also uh, at Bahamar. Um, you know, so the Friars certainly worth watching uh, as they continue to take on teams from the Power Five and uh, build an NCAA resume here early on. This, this is a good chance for Providence to, you know, as Kim said the other night, I'm watching our net and our Ken Palm. And, uh, you know, I want to see our rankings there. I don't care if we're in the top 25 next week. You know, for some reason, we start 5-0. and He said, I want to see us up there in the net and in Ken Palm because he's looking at NCAA seeding. He's looking at the analytics for that. Um, you know, and, and these figure to be two good opportunities to, to burnish your case in that way. Quite smiling at me because he's got something. No, it's, to say. Just, no, it's just a different tune, I'd say. Probably maybe a bit of a different tune. Prior mm, fan, as we know, has not been the biggest fan of Ken Palm in in previous <laughs> years. Uh, the luck factor—you yeah. can research that on your own time. Um, <laughs> no, we we could get into that certainly. No, we'll let the Friar fans speak on that themselves. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because that's too much math. I don't want to do that much math on the podcast. No. Uh, we're we're not we're not doing that. Not yet. Not yet. No. It's November still. Please, not yet. God, please. Uh, last man team we'll touch on here, URI, uh, the Rams three and O and headed for their own weekend tests, uh, up games at Mohegan sun. Uh, I will be there on Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, they played Northwestern, um, URI coming off a home win against Wagner, 69, 53. Um, you, you look at the Rams in totality over three games. And, you know, we said it last week on the pod, it is just such a different feel in Kingston right now. Um, the start of last season, every game's a struggle. You lose the opener against Quinnipiac, and you're thinking, ooh, where is this going to go? You know, now you're optimistic. You, you've you seen weapons here. You've seen uh, talent on display. You, you've seen a revamped lineup that, that URI has put out through three games, and you know, you should be encouraged. And, and if you have the chance Saturday and Sunday, if if you do have some free time and you can make the drive to Mohegan, it's about an hour from, from my house here in Warwick, um, you should do so. Because if you are eyes home court advantage against Northwestern and then either Mississippi State or Washington State, who knows where they could take this uh, by Monday morning. Uh, but I've been really impressed so far with, with what URI has done. I, I've been impressed with, you know, individual players. Jaden House was the A-10 player of the week. Uh, and the other the other night against Wagner, Zeke Montgomery put on his own tour de force. 13 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and 1 turnover in 37 minutes. He was outstanding in that game. Uh, you know, you're looking at the Rams with different guys stepping up on different nights. It looks like they've got a little bit of depth here. And I'm really interested to see them against a top 50-ish type team in Northwestern. Yeah, it speaks a, a lot to, you know, just how much things have changed with this team. When Jaden House gets an early foul trouble, 8-10 player of the week, and things just stay steady. You still win by 16. I mean, that that was Zeke Montgomery is a guy you mentioned who I think was a really steady presence in that first half. Um, I, I was most impressed in the Wagner game. This was my first chance to, to watch a full game and see them in person. And... Jeremy Fumina really jumped out of the gym that night and, you know, good for a kid that redshirted last year, yeah. you know, dealt with some things. So he wasn't able to play. Um, but he had a transition dunk where he 
and he was on the floor and he was fist pumping and roaring. And I'm like, wow, that's a year and a half's worth of built up. I want to be on the court and play. <laughs> um, and he no. basically said as much in the post game. And good for him because he really, I mean, you're going to give URI that, you know, front court presence and with some athleticism there, you know, that's another big development. And I, I just thought the fact that he played well, Montgomery played well. I thought Courtright was steady too. Like there's just a lot of guys that, Jaden House goes off the court. I mean, if this was, you know, last season, you know, your top scorer goes off the floor. Yeah, like, it's, hey, it's like it's in foul trouble. You're not. Yeah, scoring. right. Right. Like, you know, what's what's going to happen there? It's going to be all on Sebastian's, you know, shoulders. You know, is he going to shoulder the Lotus? You know, it just there was some uncertainty there not to knock those guys. But I think this team, um, you know, I think there's just a lot of weapons. There's a lot of guys that can step forward can keep things steady and i just feel there's a there's just a camaraderie you know just the 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 team seems to really enjoy playing with each other so far Mm. um there's just there's a good sense there of they're all bought in together they want to improve together you know archie miller has has hinted at the the coachability of this team and you know the staff really likes working with the squad and i think you can see it I think you can see it with just the way they interact with each other, the way they play with each other. It's um, yeah, it's really refreshing down there, I think. And um, you know, I'm interested to see what they can do against a, you know, a a team that's in an upper weight class because, you know, so far they've been a good team and they can do a lot of different things. And so you can sort of see the, the arrow pointing up here with this Shirai squad. And the other night you mentioned Femina and I I think his performance is, is kind of, you know, it's representative of how the game went. Uh, you or I bullied Wagner. And and they're supposed to bully Wagner. They're in a better conference. They're supposed to have better athletes, bigger, stronger guys. And if you look at some of the margins here in the box score, like Wagner made 10 threes. They only committed five turnovers. And they still lost a road game by 16. Yeah. How does that happen? Because they're 9 for 32 from 2. Because they get out-rebounded by 19. And because your eyes shoot 60% from two, you know, all that is in the paint around the basket, you or I, and, and Femina specifically saying, Hey, we're the eighth graders in the fourth grade game tonight. We're going to beat you guys up. We're bigger, stronger, not going to be an easy night for you guys. We're going to impose ourselves on you. And your eyes front court last year simply was incapable of doing that. And, and Archie yeah. Miller said, going into the offseason, obviously recruiting was the number one priority, but he mentioned the front court specifically as a place where they needed more depth, uh, they needed more skill. Um, you know, and you're looking at, at a lineup now uh, across the front with Montgomery playing the wing. He's got good size at 6'6". You're playing Tyson Brown up front. David Fuchs has flashed certainly early here. Now you add Femina to that mix off the bench. Uh, you know, he has 16 points the other night. Um you know, he manages 14 shots off the bench, which he's eight for 14 from the field. I, you know, I, I mean, that says I'm aggressive in this game. I think I can score in this game. These guys can't guard me. Um, I love the way that he took charge like that. Uh, you know, and I, I just, I like that URI is just, you know, sort of targeted in that way. You know, they are, they will pick on your weaknesses to this point. They've been able to do that and they have the personnel to do that. Um, you know, Northwestern, 
is going to be a little more difficult to break down. They've got a truly elite player in Boo Boo uh, who was on the the Wooden Award watch list for the top fifty players in, in the nation? Um, you know this is unquestionably the best team that that URI has played to this point. Um, but stands to reason that that they should have a home crowd. I, I've talked to quite a few Ram fans who are going to be making the trip down there for the Saturday tip. And we've seen Coit in past seasons. Mohegan has been a launching pad for URI to get into seasons. I, I think back to. You know, one of those NCAA teams under Dan Hurley, and and I'm not saying this team is is comparable or has the same expectations, but when they beat Cincinnati at Mohegan Sun, you know, I felt like a home game for URI, and and they delivered accordingly. Uh, lost to Duke the next day, a, a Duke team that had Jason Tatum, who who did not play due to injury. Um, oh, I just, oh man, I wish we could have seen him play. I, me too. Uh, I, when that bracket came out and they had Jason Tatum and they had Harry Giles, who, who was a big time recruit in that class, I thought, wow, you know, we're going to see like, holy cow, we're going to see two top five picks in the NBA draft. Uh, instead, it was Luke Kennard and, and Emil Jefferson who who really hurt them in that game. But you know, that win over Cincinnati, that venue w- was a place that was very good to you or I. And, you know, I'm interested to see if if the vibe will be the same on Saturday. Yeah, the, these games can be, like you said, launching pads, you know, because I think back, okay, you know, Mohegan's one, one spot I think of. You remember one of the NCAA years they played, what was it, at Seton Hall right around Thanksgiving or was it a holiday tournament? They played at Barclays Center. That's they, right. They beat Seton Hall on a runner by Jared Terrell, and then they lost to Virginia. But still, the fact that they beat Seton Hall, that's, that seemed to be a really nice victory for that team. That was a resume. Win. Yeah, it yeah, was. it was huge. It was huge. And so, you know, these are these are important points for your program. Um, so you go down, you get you get one win. Fantastic. You know, that that's. I think that's a that's a win in itself. Um, but you want to you want to see what your team that you're really excited about that's got three wins so far, that's three and zero, can do against a you know a, a bigger and and stronger opponent. Um, and I think that's that's the excitement factor. And you're right, if you can pack an arena with a lot of roadie fans, I I know this is Rhode Island. I know there are people that I say drive an hour, and you panic and you say that's a long way. Getting. <laughs> Get in the car and drive. Go see these guys. It's worth it. You will be fine. Yeah, you'll make it. Uh, you don't need to pack lunch. Mohegan has great restaurants. Uh, oh my goodness! You, know, you, you, you might uh, might have a libation or or two. Uh, you know, maybe just uh, put five dollars on black if, if you want. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's fun. It's fun down there. You could bet a college football game if you really want to. Uh, you make a day out of it. Uh, but Northwestern, good measuring stick uh, from the standpoint that they have a win over Dayton uh, this season. And you know, it was a home win, tight game, 71-66. So you'll have an idea of how you stack up with Dayton, your conference favorite, uh, based on this result. Uh, Dayton is at the Charleston Classic right now and had a, a big comeback win against LSU on Thursday in what was a really good day for the A-10. You had St. Bonaventure beat Oklahoma State. Uh, you also had St. Louis beat Wyoming. Those were the type of wins that the league did not get last year, and and ultimately you wind up a one-bid league, and and you'd like to avoid that. Again, this has traditionally been a multiple-bid conference, and you or I can do its part here. Uh, You know, for the conference's net ranking, for the conference in Ken Palm, if they're able to clip Northwestern on a neutral floor. Um, You know, so that'll be fun to watch. 
on Saturday. Uh, Coit, you and I will be watching the URI women tonight, Friday. Uh, they go to Brown for a 7 p.m. tip. Is that right? 7 p.m. tip, yep. 7 p.m. at the Pistol Center. Uh, two teams coming off very conflicting results here. Uh, Brown coming off two straight wins against Big East opponents. The most recent was at home against Providence, 61-56 in the city game. Uh, URI with a surprising loss at Maine. Um, you know, a game where they made one three-pointer. I think they were one for 22. I warned you people. Yeah. I warned you people about the Black Bears. You you slighted Maine <laughs> in the America East poll. Uh, Providence, you know, knocked off the America East favorite in Vermont. And, and Maine knocks off the Atlantic 10 favorite in URI uh, in a game that I, I know I was surprised by the result. Coit, I'm sure you had... Similar yeah. feelings after what you or I look like through their first two games. They they seem to be a wagon, um, you know, seem to be a team that was just going to breeze in NC State, uh, you know, and and have a, a real big non-conference challenge on Sunday. And that didn't happen. They they fell on their faces against the Black Bears, uh, 59-48 final, um, a game where, you know, they were 20 for 70 from the field and, and ultimately allowed – two of Maine's best players to get going. Uh, and Simon had 25 points. Adriana Smith had 14 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. Um, those are two known players on the scouting report who you or I should have been able to account for. But poor shooting night turned into lack of attention on defense, and they got clipped. And you know that's a, that's a game that they're going to have to replace now with, with a quality win. Um, you know, and I would imagine that that they're going to go into Brown tonight with with a certain amount of edge to to play the Bears. Oh, you, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you know, as as positive and energetic as as Tammy Reese is, I'm sure practice the last couple of days has been, you know, I think she's probably been tough on them. I I would assume. Um, you know, sometimes these losses can be for coaches. You don't want to lose games, but. They can certainly be a uh, a weapon, uh, you know, in terms of okay, well, guys, you you went out, we we went up to Maine, and this is what happened. Nice wake up call. Here's what we need to do better. Let's improve on that. And so I'm sure they're going to be coming out with, um, you know, some some real energy, some real fire tonight at Brown. Um, so I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to see. It's Sometimes these things are blessings in disguise. They they really are. You 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 lose a game like that, and you say, okay, well, what do we need to do better? We're not as uh you know as as together uh you know as as we thought we were the first couple of games. We look great there, but it's a wake up call. Is is the point? It's 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 a wake up call. And so, um, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they come out tonight against the Brown team that. Boy, that that was it was a really impressive effort. It, I think last week when we were on the podcast, we mentioned Brown late and we said, "Well, they'll put it together." They they put it together here, uh, <laughs> particularly on the defensive end. Uh, I, I've been really impressed with just the uh, you know the amount of energy they've come out on, on that end of the floor with. Uh, they made it really tough on Providence. Providence got nothing easy in that game, um, and so to do that two straight games. Um, to have a, a steady hand like Kyla Jones on the offensive end, she's going to be somebody that URI is going to have to look at, is going to have to key in on, you know, in this game tonight. So 
um, yeah, in, interesting with with both squads, you know, uh, in, in terms of the results that they're coming off of. Yeah, Brown, a, a grinding win at Georgetown, a game that was played in the 40s, and, and then they turned that around with a second straight win over a Big East opponent. That's the first time they've done that in six years. Uh, and those were consecutive wins over Providence. They, they were not different opponents. Uh, in this case, you're beating the Friars, who are off to a 2-0 start, um, you know, who, like you or I, are, are flying. Uh, you know, an impressive home win against Hampton. Uh, another good home win against Vermont, who, as I said, is the America East favorite. You're, you're thinking, okay, Providence will go to Brown. It's it's a pseudo home game for them. Um, you know, should be another one that they can pick up. And Brown had other ideas, uh, you know, especially going down the last two minutes. Brown had an eight-point lead midway through the fourth quarter. Providence cut that to one on a three by Kylie Shepard with about a minute 40 to go and then didn't score again. Um, you know, Bryn Farrell missed a couple big free throws. Kyla Jones made a couple big free throws, and then Maya Murray did the same. Brown came up with a defensive stop on a three by Grace Afosa. They they got a really good contest from Grace Arnley on that shot. It was, it was a good rotation defensively. They played a solid possession in the half court. And you know, those are the little things that you need to do to, to win close games. It's just a switch off my player. A rotation out to the corner, you get out to the shooter and make it a difficult shot. You know, just little things that coaches will see on film that aren't in the box score. Uh, but those will win you games. And and if you're Brown, you're very encouraged by that. I thought you know the adjustments they made coming out of halftime to get Kyla Jones going. I, I think she's such a catalyst in that game. 13 of her 23 points in the second half. And you know, someone who got downhill and got to the rim as a driver. Uh, is a cheater because she's left-handed. So you you play her backwards. I know your 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 partner Ian Steele took. Yeah, took, I knew uh, you were going to bring Ian into this conversation. He, he took offense uh, to that. He said, "Why? I'm left-handed. I don't cheat." I said, "Ian, you're all cheaters." I said, "You do lefty. everything backwards." I said, "It's it's just not fair playing against you in any athletic competition because you do everything backwards. You confuse my right-handed brain. It's just not right." But if you think about trying to defend a, a driver. Normally, the driver is right-handed, so you're going to take a drop step with your left foot and try to angle off. Even a half second of indecision where you look and say, oh, wait, that person's left-handed. She's by you. She's going to the rim already. You know, you need to be so locked in on a scouting report. And, you know, Monique LeBlanc made a couple good changes in that third quarter. They they managed to spread the floor with some shooting, and and they got Kyla downhill to the rim and, and ultimately took the lead for good. In the third, they they got pushed at times in the second half. You know, Providence, as we've said, they've got renewed energy under Aaron Bath. They, they're not the type of team who's going to go away in, in games this year, uh, but ultimately just couldn't get it over the line. It, it, it turned out to be a, a great night for Brown. Yeah, it was a great night for Brown and, and Providence, you know, for them. There, it, it was tough. I mean, it, Brown played really, really well and, and Providence will bounce back. Um you know, it's they had a great start, but having a night like this, a chance to bounce back. Um, you know, you're in that game. You, you have a chance at the end. You know, it's a it's a great you know women's college basketball game. So, um, you know, I like some of the talent that they have. Grace Afosa, I just like her. I I like her swagger. Um, you know, she's a player that that played really confident in that game, particularly down the stretch as Providence was trying to make its way back. Um, so, you know, they'll bounce back. I think I saw Aaron tweet right afterwards, like, we'll grow from it. We'll grow from it, you know? And so they will, they'll grow from it. It, 
you know, it was just, it was a really good night for Brown. Yeah. Providence has Boston college at home on Sunday. Um, you know, that, that'll be an interesting game. Obviously you, you've got two rivals meeting up there. Uh, they got Monmouth at home on Wednesday uh, and then they go to Penn state next weekend, which, which will be a tough one. Uh, you know, Brown, obviously with, with URI coming in, uh, you know, you or I, Coit, uh, I mean, they got this game and then they go to NC State. And and I think when NC State beat Connecticut at home, I think it's only natural when you're a player to look and say, oh, we'll take care of Maine. And then we'll go to Brown and we'll take care of them. And then we'll really take our shot against an elite opponent in NC State. And if we want to be an NCAA tournament team and we manage to beat NC State, we're on our way because that team's going to be in the top 25 after they beat UConn. Right. Maybe they got a little ahead of themselves there. Maybe the players yeah. did. You know the coaches don't, but you're still you're still dealing with young players. They they still, you know, it, coaches talk about it all the time. You process step by step. You're trying to get your team to focus on just one game to the next, and and sometimes you know, and I'm guilty of this now. Even at 44, never mind at 22, I can get a little bit ahead of myself. I, I wonder if you or I did the other night uh, up in Orno. They could have. They definitely could have. Um, but again, it's a good wake up call. And that's why I'm I'm fascinated to see how they come out tonight, because they they could come out with a <laughs> with a lot behind them. Um, because I'm sure, as I said, I'm sure practice this week was uh Tammy pushed them. Yeah, I, I have I have the uh the varsity blues speech in my head, the the John Boyd character, Bud Kilmer, after the team goes out and they're at a, a gentleman's establishment all night. Hope last night was fun. Hope yeah, it was right. fun <laughs> because yeah. you guys are coming into my world now. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. 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 Tammy Reese after a loss. I, I don't know if I'd want to be around that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's uh, I mean, I you you're right. I, I mean, I would expect them to come out on fire tonight uh yeah. and it's going to be up to brown to to match that uh you or i continuing its road trip here uh they were at maine they're at brown they're at nc state and then they're in las vegas for the las vegas holiday classic over thanksgiving they'll play youngstown state and portland uh friday and saturday after thanksgiving um we go to the bryant women to round out the pod uh the bryant women are playing at home on friday night against central connecticut uh, Bryant sitting at two and one. Uh, they've got wins over Dartmouth and at Stonehill, uh, a loss to Seton Hall in the middle. That's obviously a bye game against the Big East team. Um, difficult, certainly against the Pirates uh, and, and against a team that played in a league that had five teams in the NCAA tournament last year for the women. Uh, but Bryant with a with a dominant road win at Stonehill, 69-49. Uh, and Coit, you early on here through three games, you look at Mia Mancini, who who's the Wheeler product, mm-hmm. uh, has shot the ball really well here. She had another good game against Stonehill, 15 points to lead the Bulldogs in scoring, five for six from three-point range. Uh, you know, we saw in the opener against Dartmouth, she made five three-pointers and had 20 on that night. Uh, you know, so you're looking at uh you're looking at Bryant. Under Lynn and Kukowski, completely different style, playing offensive, getting up and down the floor. Uh, and it certainly plays right into the hands of someone like Mancini and, and some of the rest of their perimeter talent. Yeah, and we've talked about, you know, some of the players that they have coming back. You know, Fortuny obviously is, you know, right there 
um, as somebody that you can lean on. But I, I yeah, I think the style, um, you know, I think it's it's more up tempo, more exciting. And for somebody like me, a Mancini, to come in and make an impact right away, that's exciting, especially a local player like that. Um, yeah, so there's just a there's a different energy, a different vibe um, that's added when a new coach comes in, and I think you're feeling that with the Bryant women right now. You know, when we're around campus, people are talking about, ah, this team's, you know, oh boy, this is exciting. How about Mia? You know, like there's there's that buzz around them. Um, so yeah, that's that's exciting to see, um, and and in particular, you know, the fact that Mia's playing so well um, is it, really exciting, especially a freshman that, you know, it's going to be part of this program here for a few years to come. And Nia Scott also had a good night the other night, eight points, nine rebounds, three assists, three steals. That That's pretty complete box score line for the forward. Uh, you know, Bryant just, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you always wonder what will happen when you make such a drastic change in styles. Like there, there are going to be some points where you're going to look like fish out of water and it's going to be strange and your players are going to be, confused maybe and you know there'll be a night like at Seton Hall where you just get blown out where where you just don't have it you know and you think my goodness like is this the right thing are we doing the right thing should we be trying it this way and you know that's why we hear coaches all the time talk about identity and and being committed to playing a certain way because it comes out in an 18 point win over Dartmouth or a 20 point win over Stonehill and it's validating in that way and the players see it which is the most important thing that the coaches yeah. always have the vision before the players do. And and when the players get that little taste of success in games like that, you think, okay, this is going to work. Like, you know, what we're actually doing here, this is going to work. And and they get another chance uh, against central Connecticut on Friday. Uh, you know, Brian also going forward will be at Merrimack on Tuesday night. They'll play against Jamie DeCesare, the, the LaSalle product, former all stater with the Rams. Uh, and then they will be at the Florida International Invitational. Uh, they play FIU in the first game on Black Friday. And, Coit, you know the rules. When a team hosts an MTE, what do they do? They match up against a team who they think they can beat. So mm. if I was Bryant all next week after I beat Merrimack, when I'm going down, you know, over Thanksgiving team dinner or whatever else, if I'm Lynn Ann, I say, ladies, Florida International scheduled us for a reason. They think they're just going to win and get to the finals of their own little tournament. That's what they think of you, right? Nice motivational tool if you're the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can think back to some of the tournaments that I played uh, in baseball back in the day. Oh, I won't name any? I won't name any specifically, but uh -oh. um, you know, there were there were a couple times where like, oh yeah, we're going to steamroll this team, and then we're <laughs> going to get to the final and. We're gonna get the trophy and the t-shirts. Like, you know, this yeah, we, if my if you, my my old friends are listening to this, they might know which tournament I'm uh, hinting at. Now were you the host team or were you playing the host team? Uh, no, we were the host team. Oh dear. Yeah, we were the host team. Oh dear. <laughs> and you, you, you so I know exactly what we're thinking. And most years, that was the case. We mm. got the win. We got what we needed. You know, we got what we wanted out of it. Um good competition, it was. Um, but yeah. I, I get that. So if you're the team on the other end of that, you're right. You're thinking that for a week. Yeah, okay. You think you're going to beat us? Just going to, you know. No, we'll come down there. We'll we'll throw some punches. We'll give you a game. See what mm -hmm. we can do. So I like that. And and 
particularly with a uh, somebody like Lin Ann, I'm sure, you know, a, a guard, you know, with, you know, it was a player at Bryant, you know, a little bit of grip behind that. I'm sure she's, I'm sure she's, yeah, she's thinking that too. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to go down there. We're going to give them a shot. See how they, see how they do. I like that. Yeah, she'll she'll show you a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. That's that's for yeah. certain. That's the type of player she was mm-hmm. um, at Florida International. And then uh, win or lose, you get William and Mary or Tennessee State in that next game uh, in Miami. Um, how about Thanksgiving weekend in Miami? That wouldn't be so bad, would it? Oh man! All right? Yeah, yeah. Just make sure the the turkey doesn't dry up too fast. Well, and you get they're playing Friday. You get an off day on Saturday. Okay. Team off day on Saturday. Ooh, mm-hmm. watch nice. out, everyone. Mm-hmm. That game Friday is at noon. Uh, I mean, well, if Beautiful. I'm a play, if I'm a player, it's going to be hard to keep me away from South Beach on Friday night. I'll tell you that. Right <laughs> now. I'll, I'll go into Saturday practice uh, a little tired, shall we say, um, and and be ready for the, Sunday. What was, what was the Bud Kilmer line you had? Well, hope last night was fun. Hope it was fun. (laughs) Was it fun? (laughs) Yeah, potentially. So good, good check of Bryant's discipline going to Miami for uh, the holiday weekend. But that's a couple games from now. Obviously, get out to the chase. If if you live close by and and you haven't seen Bulldogs yet, uh, you can check them out tonight at 6 p.m. tip against Central Connecticut. Uh, Coit. You and I, as we said, will be at Pizzatola Center. Uh, me for the third straight night. I think you as well. Same. Um, yep. Might be- as well put an air mattress in the place. And why not? Right. Yeah. You know, just uh, give us give us the hack to the pizza account, please. You know what they order for <laughs> delicious, and uh, we could live for a few days. Yep. There. Yep. Uh, but very much looking forward to to a second in-state women's matchup of the week. Uh, very much looking forward to this weekend when some of our men's teams step up in class and you know play on neutral courts uh, against teams that you've seen play deep into March Madness. That should be fun. Um, so we thank you for listening. As always, uh, Coity, thank you as usual. Uh, Thanks, pal. And we will be th- we will be with you folks again soon. Thank you very much.